Welcome to California Now, a podcast produced by Visit California. I'm Satirius Johnson. Summertime in California means perfect weather and amazing places to enjoy it. From action-packed theme parks to beautiful beaches to nine endlessly scenic national parks. And this episode features experts on all three. We start with Robert Niles, founder of Theme Park Insider. To design a roller coaster, you have to be this this blend of an artist and a sadist, or just somebody with with a completely uncensored sense of adventure, and bless them for that. After that, Karen Means, who runs PCH Travel Magazine, takes us on an epic road trip to some of California's best beaches. Everybody's doing their thing. They're kayaking, stand-up paddleboarding, anything you can do on the water. You know, I like to walk the beach and, you know, there's also enough rugged coastline that my kids could like rock hop right close to shore. And John McKinney, who's authored many books on hiking California's national parks, shares a few of his favorite spots, as well as tips for avoiding crowds in places like Yosemite. That's all coming up on California Now. A recurring theme on our show is interviewing people with unbelievably cool jobs, and my next guest is a prime example. Robert Niles rides roller coasters for a living, and he writes about it for Theme Park Insider, as well as his weekly column in the Orange County Register. He's here, why else, to tell us about what's new and great at theme parks throughout the state. Welcome to California Now, Robert. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So to start out, did you always know you wanted to write about theme parks and enjoy the rides professionally? Oh, heck no. Um, I mean, I've been a longtime uh, theme park fan. I think the the earliest known picture of me is eating an ice cream bar at Disneyland when I was a little kid <laughs> sitting in a stroller. So you know, I've been doing theme parks for a long time, but I never really thought about that as a profession. Um, I, I, you know, I'm a journalist by trade. I've got a master's degree in journalism, worked in newspapers for years, but... Uh, when the internet came along and uh, you know, I decided to dabble in that, I, I knew I'd had a background as a fan in theme parks. So I just kind of gravitated to that community and started publishing. And, uh, you know, it's the old Seinfeld thing, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> and the next thing you know, I'm running themeparkinsider.com as my full-time job. Oh, that is so great. So you kind of took like this interest of yours, this, uh, this kind of this, this like uh, thing that you did for fun and you were able to make it into something uh, professional and also just like, you know, adding value to like just letting people know what's happening in that area. Yeah. I mean, I'd worked in theme parks as well when I was in uh, college and graduate school. I worked at Walt Disney World down in Orlando, Florida. Uh, so I'd had some, uh, that, that's where the insider from Theme Park Insider comes from. So I'd had some experience inside the industry as well, as well as being a fan. Um, and, but I just, you know, I love publishing. I love the interactive uh, nature of all of this. So it, I guess it was inevitable that I was going to get into this one way or the other. And uh, <laughs> as far as making it my job, I, I discovered the nice thing about running your own publication is that you probably aren't going to fire yourself, <laughs> or at least I haven't done it yet. <laughs> that's great. That's very, that's true. I mean, that's, that's, that's a really great perk. Um, so, so, you know, before we get into the latest tidbits about specific parks, I wonder, like, what's your thought process for what makes a great roller coaster? Wow. I mean, that, uh, that really comes down to a lot of personal preference. But for me, it's just all about the way the various elements come together. It, you know, it's like a, a, a symphony or any piece of music. It's, it's not necessarily the notes. It's just, you know, the way you, you 
you string it all together, the composition of the thing. Um, just how does one element lead into the other and, and create a situation where you come off that ride going, wow, I want to ride that again. That was amazing. Mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. goes right up to the edge of being too much, but doesn't go over it. Uh, you know, and a bad coaster would be one where the elements are just all wrong and uh, you're just feeling like you rode in a, uh, a dryer rather <laughs> than a washing machine or a dryer rather than uh, uh, just this beautiful jet fighter soaring across the landscape. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, you know, it sounds like your job is too cool to be real. Uh, do, do people ever think you're kidding when you tell them what you do for a living? Uh, my my kids joke that they absolutely hate the moment in meeting someone where they ask, so so what do your was your dad do for a living? Uh-huh. Because it, when they say, well, he 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 rides roller coasters professionally, they just think <laughs> you, you pathological liar. Right. That can't possibly be true. <laughs> uh, so I've been using this to embarrass my kids for years. So that's you know even even more of a bonus. <laughs> you know, it seems like these skip the line apps are all the rage right now at most parks. Um, what are your thoughts about this trend? Right now, it really just all comes down to, do you need it or not? I mean, that's what I tell people. If you've got the opportunity to go into the park and take a look, uh, there's still other great ways to save time in theme parks that don't involve having to pay an upcharge for a skip the line. I mean, you pick the right time to visit, you get there early in the day, uh, you pick the right things to do in the right order. And that's the sort of thing we cover on themeparkinsider.com all of the time. Uh, so I don't think people should feel the need that they have to buy these upcharge tickets. But if you have the ability, um, you've got the resources and, uh, you know, it's not a big deal for you. Yeah, they can be a wonderful time saver and an opportunity to get a lot more rides in during the day. It just, again, all comes down to your personal preferences and uh, what your situation is. Right, right. That's great advice. Okay, so if it's all right with you, um, we'd like to go south to north, right? So Sesame Place San Diego is the newest entrant in the field. Uh, What's your take on this Chula Vista park? Yeah, SeaWorld took their old Aquatica Park in Chula Vista and they've rebranded it Sesame Place. Uh, It's the first Sesame Place theme park on the West Coast. And you've still got all of those great water ride attractions, but you've got some dry attractions. They're really aimed at uh, you know kids, as you expect, with 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 Sesame Street being the franchise there. But they've actually got a physical Sesame Street. So <laughs> even if you haven't watched that show in years and you're just a you know adult fan of that, you've got the opportunity to go take your picture on the stoop at One Two Three Sesame Street <laughs> to, to listen to Big Bird reading you a story, to to see Elmo and Grover and all of those great characters there. They've got a wonderful parade that runs there on, on select days as well. So it's 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 a great nostalgia play for people who who are a little bit removed from uh, being a Sesame Street fan, mm-hmm. but also for for kids who are who are watching that show on a regular basis is just a delightful opportunity again to enjoy a lot of great water rides and a few uh you know yo kitty rides and and most importantly time with all of those delightful sesame street characters yeah and what's so great about that sesame street you know uh stoop and everything it's right there right as soon as you enter the gate you just you you're you're unmistakably you know exactly where you are and it's like it just you're transported immediately they don't make you go hunt for it. They know what you're. They, they know what you came there for, and they deliver it right away, which is which is wonderful. Right, right. Okay. How about SeaWorld San Diego? That's just a few miles up the road. What's new there? Uh, they have got a great new coaster there called Emperor. It is um, there's a roller coaster manufacturer out of Switzerland called Bollinger and Mabillard that is just famous among uh, coaster fans around the world for you know I was saying before about putting the elements all together mm-hmm, right, mm-hmm. and they they are wonderful for doing that. They they build 
uh, just delightful, nice, reliable coasters that fans love. And uh, this is their first of a model called a dive coaster that mm-hmm. we've seen here on the West Coast. And uh, what's nice about that is it takes you up about 150 feet in the air. Uh, then points you straight down, looking at the ground, <laughs> and drops you ninety degrees, face first, straight into the ground. Unbelievable! I watched um, a video of this online, and it just looks like just mind boggling. What What's wonderful about though is just as you're 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 hurtling towards uh, your you know your certain doom on the <laughs> ground is uh, that doesn't happen. Of course, it just swoops you into this wonderful turn, uh-huh. and then just this delightful series of of twists and inversions that. Uh, just make it an exhilarating ride. And you've got that wonderful view uh, up from 150 feet above Mission Bay mm. uh, with that nice San Diego breeze going by. Um, just a delightful attraction. You know, low-key, SeaWorld San Diego is becoming this, uh, you know, kind of sleeper coaster park. Mm-hmm. They've got that mm-hmm. great uh, Manta Terrain coaster there, uh, Electric Eel that they came out with uh, a, a few years ago there That's that has some really unique elements on that. So for, you know, coaster fans don't sleep on SeaWorld. There's there's becoming more and more available uh, for the coaster fan down there. Yeah, it's, it's funny. You, you wouldn't think of SeaWorld as a place to go for like incredible roller coaster rides, but there you go. They have them. Yeah, they've been dropping a lot of coasters at their parks across the country mm-hmm. uh, recently. And, and um, from what I hear, there is more to come at San Diego. They have not announced it yet, but uh, we're expecting another coaster to uh, come in there soon. But uh, for right now, go get your rides on Emperor. It is, it's a wonderful attraction. Absolutely. All right. How about Legoland, California in Carlsbad? Legoland is is just one of my favorite places to go spend time. Um, my kids are grown now, so I'm a, a little upset that I don't get to spend <laughs> as much time there as I did because it is just the perfect theme park for families with elementary age kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's there are just so many hands on interactive attractions there that kind of go beyond just sitting or sit in a seat and and and, and go on the ride. You, you know, you get in there, play with Legos, do a lot of interactive stuff. And what they've got this summer that just opened, it's called Lego Ferrari mm-hmm. Build and Race. And you can build your own little Lego Ferrari race car <laughs> and um get it digitally scanned and go on kind of this virtual race around this Italian Formula One track which is just an absolutely wonderful experience. And and they've got this great photo op of this life-size Ferrari F40 that's made completely out of Lego. Oh, cool. Uh, which is just, uh, I, I, when I was there, I was trying to make a little key out of Lego to see if I could just, you know, start that car and take it <laughs> home with me. And, uh, somehow I could never find the right combination of bricks to make that thing happen. <laughs> but, uh, that, that remains my dream to have a, a, a Lego Ferrari, life-size Lego Ferrari. Right, right. Oh, that's hilarious. That was, that, that would have been my just fantasy as a child. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Legoland California sounds like the, the perfect place to keep like a nine-year-old engaged, you know, basically forever. Uh, or, you know, your inner nine-year-old right. will be engaged there <laughs> basically forever. I, I I felt a little awkward at the opening there because I, I, you know, all these kids are sitting there and they're, <laughs> they're building their little Lego Ferraris and, and I wanted to just kind of push them all aside and say, no, I'm going to do it. Like, <laughs> I, I, I remained a decent human being and, and, and waited my turn because uh, I, I had, you know, 
size and weight on all of them. I could <laughs> you could have taken them on. I did. I, I could have taken them. Yeah. But, uh, actually, no, they would have ganged up on me. It <laughs> would have been really, really ugly. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's the thing, though. It's just it makes you want to play again. And that's just it's so delightful to be able to kind of connect with your inner nine-year-old mm-hmm, again mm-hmm. and realize, oh, you know, he or she is still in there. And uh, it's still fun to play. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so, you know, what about, let's see, uh, are there any theme parks in Anaheim? Um, I think <laughs> there's one there. Um, I You don't really hear about it that often. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's kind of like flying under the w- radar, but uh, there's this little thing called the Disneyland Resort. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard of it before. Vaguely. Um, but uh, they're bringing back all of their live entertainment. Their big spectaculars are all coming back this summer. They 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 just uh, brought back the the Disneyland Forever fireworks, which were a big hit for its Diamond Celebration a few years ago. They've got all that wonderful projection mapping on Main Street in addition to the fireworks and uh, the King, the Main Street Electrical Parade, celebrating its. 50th anniversary this year, which, man, that makes me feel old. Mm-hmm. Uh, Legoland might make me feel young, but the fact that Main Street Electrical Parade has been around for 50 years. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's still great. And they've got a brand new, uh, uh, you know, grand finale float on there that's got a lot of new characters, including characters from Encanto, the uh, big hit that Disney has. Um, and Fantasmic is coming back at the end of the month. Uh, so, yeah, lots of live entertainment. And, of course, you can hug Mickey Mouse again, mm-hmm, which I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are really, really happy about. Right. Nice to see things are getting back to normal. Mm-hmm. What about Knott's Berry Farm? What stands out there? Uh, it, talking about live entertainment this summer, uh, they're bringing back the the Knott's Summer Nights, and they're bringing back Ghost Town Alive. Um, this Ghost Town Live is basically, uh, wow, how do you explain it? It's this kind of interactive adventure through Ghost Town. Think of it maybe as like a participatory Ren Fair for people who are really into, you know, the old West in mm-hmm. California. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, they've got characters all around there. And if you want to, they will just, they will kind of drag you into the story. They will give you things to do. You'll be running around Ghost Town like a character. <laughs> for you know as much of the day as you care to do that and there's a big hoedown in the end at, at the uh, end of the day in the evening to celebrate all that so there are a lot of people who are really just into and it's different every time you you participate in it so there are a lot of people are really into this ghost town live experience that knots is going to be bringing back this summer and of course they're, they're all that you know not summer um entertainment you've got you know live bands and djs and all that sort of thing and uh, of course the attractions that they've been bringing out there including the uh return to the fair uh knott's berry tales that they came out with last year that's still going to be around as well yeah that's really cool i really love that whole like kind of like interactive participatory experience because you're really you're just, you become a part of the of the whole event the, the, the one thing I think so many people missed over the past couple of years is just that social interaction, just the ability to you know get off of get off of Zoom, get off the Internet, go go be with people in real space, in real time and um, uh, just to go kind of, you know, live out the fantasies of, of you know, of a pretend storyline that you can do with with uh, Ghost Town Alive. So it just really hits on what I think a lot of people are looking for right now in this moment. You know, Robert, I'm really loving this whirlwind tour we're doing. It's kind of like the podcast version of riding a roller coaster. So let's keep Absolutely. rolling. Let's yeah, let's go, 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 go. Yeah, exactly. So, OK, let's roll up on Universal Studios Hollywood. Uh, what's on your radar there? Yeah, Universal Studios Hollywood, they've they've introduced uh, electric trams on the studio tour. Not all of the trams have been converted to electric yet, but the advantage there is you don't have that super loud diesel engine anymore. Uh, 
Uh, so you can hear a lot more of just kind of the details of what's happening there. And, you know, frankly, don't have the smell of the diesel engine mm-hmm, either. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you're, you're there in Jaws and, um, or, or, or Earthquake or Fast and Furious, so all of the uh, wonderful, you know, encounters that they have on the studio tour there. And it's just so much nicer to be able to kind of hear the sound design uh, that have been produced for these attractions in a way that, that you haven't before because you had the necessary sound of, of the tram vehicle that, yeah, no longer have to deal with. So yeah. look for the trams with Universal Studios in green because mm-hmm. they're being green by you know going electric, right? As opposed to the traditional gold, and those are those um, there. Uh, big other thing that I'm going to tell people to do for Universal Studios Hollywood uh, this summer is. Um, Next year, they've announced that they're going to be opening Super Nintendo World, mm. which is going to be a real-life Mario Kart ride. It's oh, wow. going to be wonderful. <laughs> it's also going to pack that park with fans from all over the place yeah. who want to go on Mario Kart. <laughs> uh, so if you want to get in before all of those crowds completely you know, slam that park, uh-huh. uh, it's nice to go in and get that that visit in this summer and experience all the other wonderful stuff that Universal has uh, before the crowds descend upon it for Mario Kart next year. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great tip. Um, absolutely. So, okay, so let's move on to Six Flags Magic Mountain. What's the latest uh, going on there this year? Uh, the roller coaster capital of the world is uh, working very hard to maintain that crown. So they are debuting a new roller coaster this summer, uh, Wonder Woman. Uh, it is going to be a single rail coaster, which is something unique in the Southern California market. Our friends up in Northern California got one of these a few years ago at uh, California's Great America. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're getting a new single rail roller coaster from uh, a company called Rocky Mountain Construction. They're the ones who did the uh, uh, kind of the re- rebrand, uh, rebuild of Colossus a few years ago, turning it into Twisted Colossus. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are a lot of people who are big fans of Rocky Mountain construction because they just have this wild gonzo attitude towards what roller coasters should do. Uh-huh. And uh, with a single rail coaster, it's nice because you're all, you're all in single file. I mean, it's completely stable, Okay, but you've just got the idea of, wow, I'm on one rail here is in between two and there's no one sitting next to me. <laughs> and it just plays with all of your expectations for what a roller coaster should be. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden you're thinking, wow, I could fly off of this thing at any moment. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, Rocky Mountain Construction RMC just does such a wonderful job of putting those elements together to amplify the feeling that you could go flying <laughs> oh, off into Lord. space at any moment <laughs> oh, here. So if you want to feel like Wonder Woman in that invisible plane. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> you very much feel like Wonder Woman in the invisible because you can't see anything around you but oh, the air that wow. you're flying through. Oh, my gosh. So I am really... And this this is going to be like the biggest, fastest, tallest of this single rail uh, uh, model anywhere, uh, like world record for this particular class. So even if you went on uh, that rail blazer coaster up at uh, California's Great America at some point, come on down uh, to Six Flags Magic Mountain and check out, um, you know, the Wonder Woman coaster that's going to be debuting uh, sometime this summer because it's going to be an even more amplified experience with that. And it allows Magic Mountain to hold on to its crown as the theme park with the most roller coasters anywhere in the world. That sounds great. All right. So let's wrap up uh, in the Bay Area. Uh, California's Great America and Santa Clara has some new attractions, I imagine. 
Yeah, they're 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 putting in a new scrambler ride called uh, Liberty Twirler. But I think the big thing there for a lot of people is going to be the uh, first full season for that South Bay Shores uh, water park refurb that they did last year. Uh, that uh, you know, not everybody got the opportunity to experience because of you know the restrictions and capacity controls that were in place mm-hmm. at the time. But you know, it's wide open right now, so uh, you know, come you know check out what uh, California great. Uh, America has done with its water park. And then, you know, across the bay up in um, Vallejo at uh, Six Flags Discovery Kingdom, they're bringing in a, uh, a new spinning coaster called uh, Sidewinder Safari. That's a, a some Perla spinning coaster, kind of like a, if you think of a wild mouse kind of coaster that, that just spins because, uh, you know, it's not chaotic enough on its own <laughs> just being a wild mouse coaster. You've got to, you know, start spinning as well so you feel like you can uh, just fly off of that thing at any moment. So Right. So wait, when you mean, when you mean spin, are you talking about, so the, the car that you're sitting in, not only are you mm-hmm. being propelled forward, but you're actually spinning like a top as you're being propelled forward? Yep. Just think of that car as is kind of like a circular tub as opposed to just a little box there and <sighs> is just spinning along its way. <laughs> oh, my God. Where do the people come up with these things? Um, you know, to, to design a roller coaster, you have to be this this blend of an artist and a sadist. I believe. <laughs> um, or just somebody with with a completely uncensored sense of adventure. <laughs> yeah. And and bless them for that. <laughs> well, before we wrap up, are there any like insider tips we should consider before hitting these theme parks? Well, yeah, basically, uh, as with anything at this point, uh, you are rewarded for planning ahead. I mean, that's why we're out there at ThemeParkInsider.com. You know, all of these parks also have their own social media feeds, their own apps, which definitely I, I, I encourage people to take advantage of. You, you, no matter what park you, you're going to, you want to have that park's app in place now. I mean, you're not going to find the, uh, you know, the paper maps that you had before, uh, you know, Everything is being done through apps these days, not just from from buying the tickets, but reserving ride times, making reservations, even buying food through mobile order. Just like you you, know, you use your phone to get uh, your cup of coffee at Starbucks in the morning, you can you know order food in many of these theme parks. But you have to have the app. So definitely get get a hold of the apps beforehand. Uh, you know, price around looking for discounts on tickets. We have a lot of them at ThemeParkInsider.com, but you know, social media feeds will tell you about. Uh, discounts that are available as well. Uh, you know, all of these things that you can use to just kind of make your day go a little bit smoother. But uh, uh, even if you ignore all of our good practical advice on all of these things, you know, parks are just wonderful places and you're going to have a good time anyway. So, you know, go for it. That sounds great. Robert, this has been so fun. Thank you so much for joining us on California Now. Thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, go have some fun this summer. Absolutely. Robert Niles runs the award-winning guide ThemeParkInsider.com on Twitter, at ThemePark. As always, we'll have links to all the places we talked about on today's episode and lots more on our website, visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. This is California Now. If you're enjoying the California Now podcast, you really should check out our archives. I've gathered insider tips and insights from locals like Chef Krista Ludke, the Food Network regular based in Guerneville, and Nikiko Masamoto, who works on her family's peach farm near Fresno. Podcasting is my best friend on the tractor. <laughs> Incidentally, that's the same tractor she rode on her wedding day. 
My best friends decorated, imagine like a big orange tractor with purple streamers everywhere. <laughs> the best way to find these episodes and many more is to subscribe. You can access our whole back catalog and get new episodes delivered straight to you as soon as they go live. Just go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe to the California Now podcast. Thanks. It might not be possible to imagine summertime in California without picturing a sunset over the water at a jaw-droppingly beautiful beach. My next guest runs a magazine named after a road that takes you to these special spots. Karen Means edits PCH Travel Magazine and is here to tell us about an epic Route 1 road trip she recently took, focusing on the beaches and beach towns she experienced along the way. Welcome to California Now, Karen. Thank you. It's great to be here. So, Karen, just to get to know you for a moment, uh, you've been covering the world of travel for a while now, right? Correct. I have been writing about travel for probably the past 12 years now, uh, anywhere from heading to Asia with a toddler to wandering around Europe with girlfriends. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. what's the idea behind uh, PCH Travel Magazine? So PCH Travel Magazine was an excuse basically for my family to discover our new home state. Uh, we moved from Washington, D.C., and I didn't want to get complacent. I didn't want to be like, OK, well, we live here now and forget that California is a very long state with a lot to see and do. So we could explore locally or even take a lot of weekend getaways and not have to think, oh, we have to go out of state or out of the country just to be able to get a break in a vacation. Absolutely. Absolutely. So where are you based in California? I am down in Long Beach, just south of Los Angeles. Okay. And so what are some of the things you like to do in Long Beach that, you know, people don't always know are there? So Long Beach is mostly known for the aquarium and the Queen Mary, and that's about all people do, and then they leave. Uh, Long Beach is actually much larger than you would think, and it has a lot of little communities. I always say it's a city with lots of villages in it, and you get to know your neighbors really well, and people actually look out for each other. Like I knew all my coffee shop people within a month. <laughs> so my favorite area is on 4th Street, which is also known as Retro Row, where it's all locally owned businesses. We just got a new uh, exotic plant shop, which I'm hmm. very excited about. And my husband's terrified for me to go into. <laughs> uh, but it also has like Little Coyote, which is more New York style pizza, which were East Coasters originally. So that was right. a uh, really big draw for us, as well as a store <laughs> called The Hangout, which was created so that the neighborhood people could hang out. It's part plant shop, plot part bookstore, part home decor, and then there's a wine bar and a tea bar in the back. Uh, and my favorite is they do wine Wednesdays. So it's everything's kind of like half off or buy one, get one <laughs> for a glass. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, and those are the kind of places that really kind of make a community. So as a somebody who's visiting the area, it's really a wonderful kind of way to experience what the locals experience and what it's like to like live there. Exactly. We like the downtown stuff, which has all the attractions, but then, you know, we love the beaches that are here and, you know, you get closer to Belmont Shore neighborhood and that's where like Long Beach really turns into like a beach town. Mm -hmm. uh, it has Second Street, which has all the beachy shops and restaurants and everything that people expect in a beach town. 
Right, right, right. So, you know, as I mentioned in the intro, you recently went on an epic Central Coast road trip. Um, I'd like to zoom in on a few specific stops in a moment. But first, can you give us kind of like a general overview of where all you went and like how many days you, you took? Yeah, so we went up for our children's spring break in April, and we had just over a week. We went from a Friday to the following Saturday, and we really tried to pace ourselves because it's really easy to get overwhelmed, and we stayed at least two to three nights in three stops so that we could just explore out of those three stops, and we weren't constantly in the car and on the road. Right, right. And uh, so how old are your kids now? My boys are 10 and 12 years old, and yeah, they have grown up traveling, so this was a no-brainer for them. Yeah, no, that's great. Okay, so let's go from south to north. Um, yep. I'm, I'm handing you the wheel, so where do you want to start? So I want to start in Ventura, California, actually, okay. uh, which a lot of people, I feel like, kind of skip across, or they go to Ventura, they go to the Channel Islands and for the day, and then they leave. So what were some of your favorite you know, spots in Ventura while you were there? So we ended up just spending a morning there thinking, oh, we'll just grab a cup of coffee and then we'll keep going because we were headed up to Carpinteria and we did find a lovely coffee shop. But more importantly, we found a farmer's market, which mm. for me, farmer's markets really show you who the locals are. Uh, and also just it's a way to support the local community and the local farmers. And we've been to a lot of farmers markets up and down the coast. This was by far the cheapest one we've been to. And oh, it was one of the largest ones we've been to. So I think for like the everyday person, it's a really nice place to be. Plus for yeah. me on Main Street, there was like three or four thrift shops. So I just went to town. <laughs> so what's uh, what's next on our, our itinerary? So next on our itinerary is Carpinteria, which I knew I wanted to spend some time in that town because I'd gone up to San Luis Obispo a couple months before and I'd stopped there for breakfast. And I just thought this was the cutest little town. Uh, they have the Lucky Llama Coffee Shop, which... We went to every single morning. I got my acai bowl and my chai latte. <laughs> my kids, you know, got to play with all the dogs that had shown up. It was dog friendly. We did have our little 12 pound pup with us. Uh, so finding those dog friendly places was really key. Uh, it has a really nice beach. It's just kind of easy surf to kind of hang out on. And they have a lot of local little shops that you can pop in and out of, and including another thrift shop <laughs> that also <laughs> gives back to animals. So you're seeing a theme here with what I Definitely like. Definitely between coffee and thrift shops and yeah. pets. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but they also have a Tar Pits Park and the Carpentria Bluffs Nature Preserve also has a lookout point to the Seal Sanctuary. Uh, which is a beautiful little walk uh, along the train tracks. And then you can see all these seals just kind of napping on the beach. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, we would later learn is like a thing on the California coast. The uh -huh. elephant seals and uh, just regular seals uh, just, you know, like to sunbathe as much as we do, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's great. Okay, so let, let's keep heading north. Yep. Where should we go next? Let's stop in Pismo Beach and San Luis Obispo. Um, I know that slow, which is what a lot of people call San Luis Obispo, is a <laughs> kind of bucket stop for people. And there's a good reason. I mean, it's a college town. It also has an old mission. It's just one of those really easy, pretty places to get lost. It does deserve much more than a day. So mm -hmm. if you have the time, I would say stop and really explore. I've only ever kind of spent the night there or like passed through. 
to see the mission and to wander around, grab coffee like usual. (laughs) But down at Pismo Beach is a really great place for especially families to learn how to surf, just kind of poke around. And they also have a monarch butterfly grove. We had missed the monarch butterflies, but I already have a trip planned back for next winter so that we can see those stunning butterflies all in one spot. Yeah. You know, there are so many cute little towns in this part of the central coast. I'm thinking about places like Cayucos and Cambria. Did you hit either of those? Oh, yeah. So we kept going up and Cayucos was actually a really big surprise for us. We were headed down to Morro Bay to see the famous rock. uh, And we were just kind of like, oh, look, they have a pier. That's great. Let's go like pop in there. They have a uh, brown butter cookie store, which I thought was kind of weird. but then everybody was lining up to get them in this tiny uh-huh. little town. And, and you know that's a good sign, right? Yeah. So you see a I was long line, like, you better get on it. Yeah, It's 10 o'clock in the morning. Why are all these people getting cookies? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't blame them. I like cookies. Uh, so we ended up getting ourselves some cookies from the Brown Butter Cookie Company. Uh, and, you know, also, again, I got my coffee, but they at uh, Kyoko's Coffee, which was down the street, and they had some really cool antique stores, uh, like Remember When. So did you guys, you know, hit the beach at all? We did. Uh, we, you know, we packed up our beach blankets and our beach towels. It was a bit cold and windy uh, in April on the coast, which was kind of like a fluke week, apparently. Uh, but my kids are crazy. They go in the water in January and they don't care. <laughs> um, as long as they can be near water and sand and... You know, I like to walk the beach and pick up rocks and see what's new there and what kind of shells they have. Uh, And, you know, there's also enough rugged coastline that my kids could like rock hop right close to shore, which is always fun and look in tide pools as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, even if you can't lie out or, you know, go fully into the water, I still like walking on the beach at any time of year because it's just a a really great environment. Oh, absolutely. And we saw plenty of people out there. You know, there was a lot of surfers, especially in Morro Bay, all in their wetsuits. And, you know, everybody's doing their thing. There was kayaking, stand up paddle boarding, anything you can do on the water. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. And the beach was great. It has the right by Kyoko's Pier. There's a playground and dogs are allowed to run around on the beach. And the kids had a lot of fun just kind of being kids. And they met other kids their age that they could kind of hang with for a moment. So they weren't just with mom and dad the entire time. Yeah. Uh, So we ended up spending a lot of time down in Cambria where there was lots of shops and restaurants. And it was just this nice slower pace that we needed. Uh, We hung out a lot on Moonstone Beach, which was beautiful and probably one of my favorite places to watch the sunset. Mm -hmm. And I already have my eye on a couple of the little like one story inns that line that beach, uh, including the Cambria Beach Lodge, the Cambria Shore Inn. Uh, Really, you can't go wrong with any of those. And there's a a little wine bar right on uh, at one of those inns right on the water. So my husband and Mm -hmm. I kind of let the kids go free and we sat down at Madeline's Wine Bar and just kind of watched the sun start to set and then wandered over and had some dinner down the street. That sounds great. So, you know, every one of these places almost have, they they almost have their own little vibe and stuff. So like Moonstone Beach, talk about what that is like for people who've never been. So the one thing is for, if you're going from south to north, you have to know that the beaches get rockier as you go. Um, So in the Cambria area, it's, there's more rocks on the beach, which are 
every color. Like there were green ones, there were pink ones, there were purple ones. It was the most mm-hmm. bizarre thing I'd ever seen, especially as an East Coaster <laughs> who's used to like one kind of beach. And yeah. there's also lots of driftwood. Sometimes you'll find some sea glass, but it's all usually like there's some kind of bluff that you have to like walk down or a dune that you have to walk down to get to the beach. So it's just this more dramatic uh, shoreline that you don't see as much, you know, in Long Beach or even like Redondo, you might get it down uh, towards Laguna a bit more when it gets more rugged. But I think that was the most exciting thing for us is just seeing the landscape change so dramatically as you go from south up to the north. Right. And we haven't even talked about the actual, you know, in the car road trip driving up Highway 1. Yeah. I mean, that's just, I mean, there's just incredible vistas. Oh, yeah. That's like bucket list. And if you're going from Cambria up to Monterey, you're going to go through Big Sur, which is something that everybody should do and wants to do, quite frankly. Driving from Monterey down to Cambria should take you four or five hours. We took a solid 10 because it is small winding roads with so many turnoffs for like Vista views Mm -hmm. that my husband just like gave up driving and he let me drive because he knew I was just going to pull off like every other (laughs) second. He's like, okay, you just like stop where you want and, you know, we'll we'll go from there. And when it comes to, you know, pulling over at those pullouts, uh, I'm sure that, you know, it's very important to only do that at clearly marked official spots, right? You don't want to be pulling over just anywhere. 100%. That is one of the best things about the state of California is they understand the views that they have. So there are several designated scenic overlooks with plenty of parking for everybody because you don't want to pull off to the side of the road. You don't want to block the road. You don't want to put your car in a precarious position. So use those designated spots. If you feel like you're missing a shot because there's no pull off, just keep going because there's probably one right around the corner. So Karen, for, for you know, people who've never been to Big Sur, what, what's like one place that they really should you know, make sure that they hit? One place is going to be Julia Pfeiffer Burns State Park. This is where Macway Falls is, which is that stunning waterfall that like hits the sand right on the beach, which is something uh-huh. you really won't see anywhere else. Yeah. And you'll want to get there in the morning because that is when the light is going to be best. The later you get in the day, the sun's just a little bit high and you're not going to get those stunning pictures that you see on Instagram all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a fascinating place any time of day, but if you really want to optimize it, morning is oh, the Oh, for to go. sure. And for anybody who's worried that it's a really strenuous hike, it's actually very easy. If it takes you 20 minutes round trip, you're just walking really slow. So, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what's, what's one more thing people should know about this road trip? Um, I would always make sure if you're passing a gas station or an electric charge station, you should fill up, especially once you're uh, going to be in the Big Sur region, because there's just not as many stops along the way between uh, Cambria and Monterey, if you're going to stick to the PCH. Mm-hmm. Not, not a lot of like development along the way. So like if you see a gas station, pull over, fill up, and then you're set. Yeah. Like make sure you're, you got a full tank, make sure you have snacks and lots of water and know that restroom facilities are there. Just they might be far and few between. <laughs> So, so Karen, what are some tips for people who are, you know, wanting to take a, a, a beach town road trip like this? I would always say take your time. Remember that California uh, coast points west, so the sunsets are worth stopping for 
every single time, no matter where you are, just pull over uh-huh. and watch that sunset because uh-huh. <laughs> it is magical and every day is a little different. Uh, take time to walk the beaches. The sand does change as you go. As we already mentioned, the rocks are there. There's some that have shells all over them. Just be open to more spontaneity than you think that you'll need. Sometimes people just plan everything down to the minute and that's not how you want to do a PCH road trip at all. You want to, you know, pick your spot that you're going to sleep that night and give yourself the day to get there so that you can really see everything that you want and not be disappointed. But also remember that sometimes road trips are scouting trips. We're going back to at least three places that we went to. To, so that we can really start to dig in. But we would have never known about them if we hadn't taken a road trip. Yeah. Uh, Karen, this has been delightful. Thank you so much for joining us on California Now. Thank you so much. Karen Means runs PCH Travel Magazine online at pchtravelmag.com and on Instagram at pchtravelmag. This is California Now. When it comes to national parks, California offers both spectacular bucket list destinations like Yosemite and some lesser-known spots that are worth planning a trip around. My next guest has hiked throughout California for decades and knows the state's trails as well as anyone. John McKinney has written extensively about hiking, and 10 of his books are about to be released as the Hiking California's National Parks Collection. We're delighted to have you on California Now, John. Great to be here. So let's start with the big picture. Um, What's special about California's national parks? Other states have national parks with tall trees and high peaks and deep canyons and really long seashores and even vast deserts. But only California has all of these grand landscapes within its boundaries. And California has nine national parks, the most in the nation, mm-hmm. along with uh, a bunch of other national park lands like national recreation areas and historic parks and a national preserve. And the state features one of America's oldest national parks. That would be Yosemite set aside uh, way back in 1890 and one of the newest Pinnacles National Park that was preserved in 2013. Yeah, and we're going to talk about a lot of them in in depth a little later. But before we go there, are there any kind of like facts or figures that can help put into perspective how immense California's national parks are? Yes, uh, the largest national park in the contiguous U.S. would be Death Valley with more than 3.3 million acres. So there's some really large parks. Right. And there's a whole range of superlatives. Uh, The world's tallest tree, that would be a giant redwood named Hyperion, Mm -hmm. 380 feet tall in Redwood National Park. Amazing. Everybody knows about the world's largest tree. That would be the General Sherman tree. Uh, with a huge circumference, and uh, that's in the giant forest area of Sequoia National Park. We've got uh, the highest waterfall in North America. That would be Yosemite Falls in uh, Yosemite National Park. Yeah. So, so tell me about your new collection of books. Um, what sets it apart? 
along with my passion for hiking, I have a passion for storytelling. And my guiding principle is every trail tells a story. So along with giving some directions and some good maps, I like to tell the tale of every trail, what makes it different, and the wonderful parks that the trails explore. Hmm, that's great. So let's zoom in on Yosemite for a moment. Um, what are some ways I can explore that park beyond the expected? If you want to escape the valley, I'd say head up to Glacier Point on the Four Mile Trail. That's just a total classic. And you get these views of Yosemite Falls and El Capitan and Half Dome and Vernal Falls. And then take the shuttle bus up to Glacier Point and hike down to the valley on the uh, Panorama Trails and the John Muir Trail. That's just a beautiful trail going down. And you also see Half Dome and Clouds Rest. And uh, that's a long hike, but it's uh, all downhill from Glacier Point to the valley, nine, nine miles. So, John, I know a lot of people, you know, when they think of uh, Yosemite, they think of, you know, kind of, a, uh, you know, entering it from the Yosemite Valley side. But there's another way into the park uh, from the east. And, um, you know, what kind of an experience can people have uh, doing it that way? You get a wonderful view of two sides of the Sierra. You start from the dramatic east side of the High Sierra, and you enter the park via Tioga Road and come over Tioga Pass, which is quite high, quite lovely. And uh, you motor into the park, and shortly thereafter, you've arrived at Tuolumne Meadows and uh, perhaps the most beautiful High Sierra Meadow and some easy hikes there. Yeah, it's really great that you can kind of, um, you know, get a whole different perspective and experience of the park just from entering it uh, from a different way. Let's turn now to Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Parks. What's special about these two side-by-side parks? Sequoia and Kings Canyon have the scenery. They've got the postcard views that are found in the country's most famous national parks, but you have to hike to find them. The largest sequoia groves on the planet are found in Redwood Canyon in Kings Canyon National Park. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's like 15,000 trees and hmm. 4,000 acres and uh, a dozen miles of trail uh, through the old growth. And they're not the tourist attractions with the paved trails that the General Sherman tree and the General Grant tree, which is the world's second largest tree, have. Mm-hmm. So that, that's kind of getting away from it all. And you can only explore Redwood Canyon on foot. What about Muir Grove? Uh, it's, it's small, um, but you, you have the feeling like you're going on an adventure because it, it's, it's not part of a, of a larger grove. From the grove area, I would say to also experience Sequoia Park is take a hike to some of the High Sierra Lakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of my favorite is uh, Heather and Pear Lakes. And it's got this 
wonderfully appropriate name, Lakes Trail, and it goes <laughs> to Heather and Emerald and Pear Lakes. And I think it's the best backcountry hike in Sequoia National Park. It's about uh, eight miles round trip to the lakes. Hmm. Are these swimmable lakes? Oh, if you can get in and stay in in the glacial melt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You know, of course, you know, it'll be the busy season this summer uh, in the parks. Um, any advice or, or tips or tricks for avoiding crowds? Well, certainly the redwoods uh, are uncrowded. I mean, natural wonders, fern-filled canyons, and this wonderful wild 40 miles of coast. And, of course, the tallest trees on earth. Mm-hmm. And national park visitors are very few. The redwoods are rarely crowded, and the hiking is great. So anyone maybe visiting San Francisco, this would be a nice kind of excursion from the city a few hours, maybe not a few hours north, but several hours north of San Francisco, right? Yeah, it's, it's almost a different state up there in the, in the fog and the big trees. And for visitors and hikers, there's great excitement. There's a new trail added to the park and it has this wonderful name called the grove of titans and uh mm-hmm. the park authorities built this elevated boardwalk it's very mysterious hmm. and you can get to this uh small but spectacular grove of some of the tallest trees on earth that's really great so, John, before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you about Point Reyes National Seashore. I know it's technically not a national park, but it is still pretty special. There's this national park land just 30, 35 miles north of the city of San Francisco. It's got forested ridges and these wild, open coastal bluffs and these deserted beaches with elephant seals on them. It's, it's a really unforgettable place to ramble. It's one of my favorite places in California. Are there any trails or sites within Point Reyes that are not to be missed? Well, you just have to go to the lighthouse. And a related trail that I love is called Chimney Rock. And you wander along the headlands and you get to the edge of a precipitous cliff and you look down and there are all these elephant seals Hmm. barking away (laughs) (laughs) and it's just it's a magical place that sounds really great well john this has been really fun i mean i can't wait to hit the trail myself um thanks so much for joining us on california now well thanks for having me and happy trails John McKinney is a hiker and author. His newest release is the 10-book Hiking California's National Parks Collection, which you can find online at thetrailmaster.com. As always, we'll have links to all the places we talked about on today's episode and lots more on our website, visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. This is California Now. Thank you for listening to California Now. We hope to see you in the Golden State soon. This podcast is produced by Visit California. I'm your host, Satirius Johnson. 
You can find our show on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're looking for more travel ideas and inspiration, follow Visit California on TikTok. You'll meet insiders who share their favorite local spots and learn about all sorts of cool attractions like the 680-foot-tall Eureka Dunes in Death Valley and the Seven Bridges Hike in San Diego. Check it out. The TikTok handle is at Visit California.